Jesus, you are our Savior today. You are the one who gives us victory, but you don't just give victory, you are our victory, Jesus. Jesus, you are glorious. You are the lover of our soul. And Jesus, not only have we seen who you are today, we've witnessed your work among us. I thank you for the specific answers of prayer that you have brought. I thank you, Lord, for the touch that you have brought in in physical healing, Lord. I thank you for the uh, light of salvation that you've brought in some of our hearts this week, Jesus. Lord, we want to listen to you through your word. And so, Lord, I ask now that you would open our hearts and minds, not just to hear, but to move in obedience to what you say. Amen and amen. I remember being in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and a friend told me that they wanted to take me to the greatest taco place in the world. I was a little skeptical as I got into his car with him when we made our way to the north side of Tulsa. We pulled up to a, a dirt parking lot in a part of town that I'm told you're not supposed to be very safe, and I began to get very skeptical of what my friend had told me. We walked out to a shack. It was literally a shack. I, I was looking to see if power lines went to this thing. I, it looked more like a shed than any place you could eat. There was no dining room. The dining room was a couple picnic tables out in the dirt parking lot. That's where you ate the food. And, and my friend said to me, Brady, these are the best tacos in the world. And I thought, you are nuts, Curtis. Absolutely nuts. And I get in line, and he says, now I'm going to have to order for you because you don't speak Spanish. And I'm going, now I don't even know what I'm going to get. And he doesn't know what I like things very particular. And he says, oh, you're going to get what you're going to get, but you're going to love it. And I ate that taco, and it was the best taco in the world. And, and I had the same joy and feeling of taking other people there. And have you ever known something that others didn't quite know yet? I mean, you could tell them, but they hadn't, they hadn't maybe tasted it yet. And, and you, you kind of can anticipate, I know you're going to see a dirt parking lot. I know you're going to see a shack. And yeah, you know, I'm going to have to try to point and remember what it is because I can't read Spanish. But, but it's amazing. Sometimes that's how I feel when, when we come to the Word of God. For whatever reason, the Lord has put something on my heart. And, and I know where He's going to take us in the next few minutes. And I want to say, there's going to be a dirt parking lot. Yeah, yeah, and you're gonna, it's going to be a shack, but it's so good. And if you will just taste and see what Jesus has for you today, it's, it's better than anything else in the world that you can imagine. So I want to invite you to listen and look for what Jesus has for you today. I am absolutely confident with all of my being that the creator of the universe wants to speak directly to you today. It has nothing to do with me or what I've planned here. It, he wants to speak to you. It is so good. But if you're not careful, you'll get lost and go, oh, what's Brady excited about? Is this, is this, is this what he's excited about? You're going to start seeing dirt parking lots, okay? You're going to start seeing shack, but, but I want you to taste and see the things of the Lord. We've started this new series last week entitled Outflow, looking at God's call for us to go out into the world and to make disciples, to go out and reach people. He says, I'm sending you to them to turn their eyes from darkness to light. Jesus has called us to reach those around us. And last week we saw how everything the Lord has been teaching us about discipleship, it's not just for us. I need to know who Jesus is to me, and I need to see what he's doing around me. It builds my faith. I need to hear what he's saying to me through the word and through other Christians and, and, and through a still small voice of the Holy Spirit. And I need to, to be obedient to him, and I need his power, but it's, it's to send me out. 
it's for me, but it's not just for me. It's, it's for you, it's not just for you, and it's to go out. And by way of reminder, the first thought I want you to catch this morning is this, that the overflow all starts with being connected to Jesus and filled with his spirit. That's where it starts. And really, in some ways, that's what we've talked about the last seven, eight months in one way or another. We've been talking about getting close to Jesus, being a disciple of him, and and disciples are obedient, and, and the blessings he brings in our life. But friends, it's not just for us. He's doing this in us, for us, but also for a purpose, and he's calling us to pour out in an outflow in people around us. But we can't get to all those things until we understand it has to start with a fresh encounter that you have with Jesus yourself. This picture we looked at last week, by way of reminder, it's kind of like this fountain. The source, the spring, the gushing overflow at the top here is the Holy Spirit. And what the Holy Spirit is, is pouring into you, it's for you, but not just for you. If you try to pour into your family, if you try to pour into your your community, if you try to pour into your world and you don't have a fresh encounter with Jesus, you're doing it in your flesh. You're doing it in your grit and your might and your power and it will accomplish nothing. Oh, you may be able to do some nice good deeds, but it's not what Jesus is calling us to. And even if you could, that's no fun. Where the joy, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is joy, there is fun. And it's, it's not to just stay confined in you, it's to get out all over you. And so as we look in the next couple of weeks at what it means to, to pour out and have an outflow into our family and our friends and an outflow in our community and to our world, we first have to recognize that we need a fresh encounter with Jesus ourselves. That's what compels us. Now once we get that truth, we talked about that last week, we're in danger of a, of a pretty serious common misconception when we understand that every single person must have our own authentic encounter with jesus a fresh encounter with him that he pours into us so it can come out of us all of us need that same thing from jesus we begin to think that every single one of us are exactly the same we begin to make this faulty conclusion that because every one of us needs to be connected to jesus then therefore i must be like every other disciple I must connect with Jesus the exact same way that my mentor does. I must have the same personality as my spiritual father or spiritual mother. I must have the same communication style as my pastor. I must have the same passion as the person who I look up to spiritually around me. We make these faulty conclusions, but nothing could be farther from the truth. I want you to catch this morning that one size doesn't fit all. Now, a little bit different than usual, it's a typical pattern for me. We'll take one chunk of Scripture and we'll walk through that. That's kind of my favorite way of of preaching. I I love that. But today, we're going to have six different Scriptures that we'll be looking at, and three of them more closely. So there's a bunch of them here. And if if your personality likes to kind of know where we're going, it's it's in your outline there, and you can kind of get your device all lined up and open up the windows in your device to the the right place, or you can get your fingers going in the Bible there. But but we're going to look at how one size doesn't fit all. Real-life examples of the differences that are in us. And it's not just four different personality types or giftings or, or, or idiosyncrasies. There's as many differences as people that God has created. But let's first look at Simon Peter. In this scripture, he's referred to as Simon. We know he's given another name, Peter. And so Simon Peter is one that we see here in Mark chapter 1, verse 16 through 18. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw that Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. 
Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. You see, Jesus intentionally chose Simon, soon to be Simon Peter. He chose Simon knowing that he was a fisherman. He chose Simon as his creator, knowing his gifts, his strengths, his idiosyncrasies. He knew everything about him, and he said, I'm choosing you to come follow me. Running a fishing boat is a dirty, smelly, dangerous job. Handling fish and nets all day and then getting the catch ready for market would leave you being covered with sweat, blood, and fish guts most of the time. Simon Peter not only was in that blue-collar work of a fisherman, he also had a hot temper. And he had this seemingly inability to pay attention at times when he was supposed to pay attention. Peter was not exactly the most sophisticated type. He was not the level-headed executive that you would think that a leader of a movement would choose to help be a leader within his crew. He didn't smell the part. He didn't look the part. But even so, Jesus chose him to be the rock of his church. One size doesn't fit all for Jesus, not just one type. We are all have an experience with Christ, but we are not all the same. Let's look at Nicodemus. In John chapter 3, we find Nicodemus' story. He's a person that's as different as can be from Simon Peter. Nicodemus was well-respected. He was a religious teacher who came to Jesus in the middle of the night. Now, Jesus didn't agree to meet with Nicodemus because he was so impressed with his education or so impressed with his reputation, but yet Nicodemus had that. In fact, lots of people saw Nicodemus as the Jerusalem's Bible answer man. He was the guy who had studied, who was, who was, a, was a leader, was a teacher, and, and had all these things, but that's not why Jesus agreed to meet with him. Jesus had a love for him. And Jesus met him right where he was. Now, it's interesting to me that with all this education, with all this track record, with all of this reputation, Jesus had to explain what appeared to be the most elementary, basic truth to him in, in a very, very simple way because Nicodemus wasn't getting it. So it wasn't in Nicodemus's education. It wasn't in Nicodemus's reputation that he had a connection with Christ. But he was who he was, and Jesus loved him just that way. Completely different than Simon Peter, but he had his own encounter with Jesus, and we begin to see that in time, evidently, his relationship with Christ grew. He had an encounter with Christ. Next, we look at Mary and Martha. Their account has been both the same passage of Scripture in Luke 10, 38. You may want to flip to that or, or navigate to that. I don't know if you've heard the phrase, if you want something done right you got to do it yourself. If that thought came to your mind, if that's a, a mantra of yours, then you too might very well be a hard-working, self-sacrificing person like Martha. See, Martha's brother Lazarus had invited Jesus to a big dinner party as, as they were preparing for this party. Martha took it upon herself to make all the preparations for Jesus coming over. Even though Martha chose to take this responsibility, she was stressed out, overwhelmed, and blamed her sister, Mary, for not helping her. That's where we find Luke 10, 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. 
she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will be taken away from her, referring that he will not be there forever in person. See, Jesus was communicating that he wasn't interested in what they could do for him. He was there for them to experience him. And there's a teaching here, but we're going to talk more about this. But what I want you to catch and see is that Mary and Martha were very different. They both encountered Jesus. And Jesus loved Martha. It wasn't that Mary was amazing and Martha was the black sheep. No, no. He didn't say, hey, woman who's doing all this stuff, get out of the way. I need to hang out with Mary. He called her by name. He knew her. He loved her. He encountered her. And Martha as well had an encounter with Christ. And she was very different than Mary. Mary was different than Martha as well. What I want us to see is not only does one size not fit all with Jesus, the third thing I want us to catch is we each approach Jesus differently we need to have the same thing a fresh encounter with jesus the holy spirit has to move in our heart so we have something to overflow you know they tell us the number one reason why people don't share their faith is fear i get that fear of being rejected fear of not knowing what to say a fear of messing somebody up you'll lead them in the wrong direction there's there's fear all over the place but i'm beginning to feel just as passionate that just as much as fear is a hurdle or an obstacle to sharing our faith or to pouring out into someone else's life i think not having anything to pour out is just as much of a culprit for why people don't share their faith anyway what is the reason for the hope that you have do you have any fresh encounter with jesus or not and so we all need the same thing we need to have this connection with jesus but the approach that we have to jesus looks differently what do you mean well, let's review. We just talked about Simon Peter. Simon Peter, it looked different than Nicodemus and different than Martha and different than Mary. Simon Peter was loud and he was messy. Peter was bold, enthusiastic, and sometimes downright unruly. Do you know anybody in your life that is loud and messy? Maybe you're like Peter. One minute Jesus was praising him for his faith, and the next minute Jesus was chastising him for his lack of faith. One minute uh, Peter was wanting to to charge with his sword and, and to stand in the gap for Jesus, and I will die for you, Jesus. And the next minute he's denying Christ. One minute he's telling all the other disciples, what are you doing in the boat? I'm getting out of the boat. And the next minute he's sinking. This was his personality. I love seeing this in Peter. I can identify so much with Simon Peter. Simon Peter said the wrong thing at the wrong time, often. He would speak and then think about what he was going to say. It would sound dumb, but that's who he was. And Jesus loved Peter, and Peter had a great relationship with Christ, and the Lord worked on him and began to chisel things off. But Jesus and Peter had a love relationship together, and Peter approached Jesus different than Nicodemus. Nicodemus was slow and steady. He approached Jesus cautiously. He had questions and he thought that maybe, just maybe, Jesus had answers. Nicodemus, he didn't dive in head first like Simon Peter. He was careful. He came to Jesus in the middle of the night as if 
not to draw undue attention to himself. But as time passed, it's evident that his relationship with Jesus grew. Some of you here today, you can identify with Nicodemus. You're slow and you're steady. Others of you, you go, I'm anything but slow and steady. The good news is we each approach Jesus differently. We need the same thing, but it's not going to look exactly the same way as we have an encounter with the very same Christ. But when we are in real relationship with him, he will fill us and we will overflow and have an outflow around us. Mary and Martha give us the same thing. Martha, we look at her, she was quick and she was capable. Martha wasn't the kind of person who waited around to be told what to do. She saw what needed to be done and she did it. And she expected others to do the same. See, she was a woman of action. And because that's who she was, she took that approach with Jesus. She was a woman of action for Christ. And Jesus reminds us through Martha's story that it's critical for Martha to first be filled up from Jesus before she goes and acts. And that's what this this teaching is about. And there's a time to sit at Jesus' feet. And and he was saying, don't miss out on this. But, But Jesus loved Martha, called her by name, had relationship with her. Now Mary, who different than Martha, she was easygoing and relational, apparently, by the little bit we have in the text here. And Mary's desire for intimate relationship over tax tasks just kind of characterized what we know of her. While Jesus told Mary she chose wisely to do this, we also know that we don't have the rest of Mary's story to see all the other aspects, and she appears to be the hero in this story. And you say, well, Brady, everybody should be like Mary and not like Simon Peter and not like Nicodemus and not like Martha. Hogwash. No, no. We all need to have an encounter with Jesus, and because of our own personality, our own idiosyncrasies, our own strengths and weaknesses, our own unique background, our own unique hurts and habits and hang-ups, we will encounter Jesus differently, but we have the same life transformation that Jesus wants to bring to each of us. And see, to the person who's like Mary, who's easygoing and relational, and, and maybe it comes easier for you to sit at the feet of Jesus, there comes a time when we are so full of the things of the Lord that Jesus sent his disciples out. He said, I'm going to go away so my spirit can be with you. I'm going to empower you to go, to, to act, to serve. And if we only sit at the feet of Jesus and never serve anybody, pretty soon Jesus says, you're not sitting at my feet, you're just sitting on your rear end. It's not a super spiritual thing because you just say, oh, I I just need to be right here. He says, hey, if you love me, you're going to obey me. You're going to go serve the way I have come to serve. Jesus says, it's not one size fits all with me. And Jesus says, there are different approaches to me, the very same Lord and Savior. Peter, Nicodemus, Martha, Mary, they all approach Jesus in their own way. But in their own uniqueness, they had a very similar life changing encounter with christ you see here's where we're going to leave the dirt parking lot and i think some of you can maybe start to taste the tacos it's going to start getting good so i need to warn you if you came here and you didn't want to hear god speak today this is a good time to leave here's what i think happens when we start seeing clearly that jesus is who he said he was and he wants to have a relationship with us. And we get serious about pressing into relationships with him like we have been talking about the last number of months. And we start to see that he's calling us to go out into the world. If Satan wants to do this. He wants to get you, if he can't get you to live in this willful disobedience and sin down here, he's going to try to get you to say, okay, I, I want you to get your eyes off of Jesus and onto someone else. 
Jesus, you're calling me to share my faith. Jesus, you're calling me to serve people in my community. And so what we do is, Jesus, I'm going to do exactly what you do the very way that Dale does it. Jesus, I'm going to do exactly what you do the very way that you have made Carl. Jesus, I'm going to, I'm going to serve you just like Tim does. Now, it's good to have role models and, and, and mentors, but heaven help us. We don't need to be carbon copies of each other. We need to be like Christ. Now, here's the cool thing. As Brent gets close to Jesus and loves Jesus, he's not going to make you like me. That's a good place to say amen. But it's even better than that. As I get close to Jesus, he's not going to make me like you either. And what Satan wants to get us to do is get all these personalities all aggravated at each other. Because now we're so fixated that, that you're not like someone else. Some of you are just down in the mouth. Well, I'm just, I'm not like Simon Peter. I can't, I don't have the boldness. I don't have, the, don't be like that. Have an encounter with Jesus and let him send you out the way he's made you. Others of you, it's quite the opposite. <laughs> well, I serve. My name is Martha and you all better be just like me. Why don't you get off your duff and do something? And we start looking at each other, and you need, you need to be just like me, because this is how I've encountered Jesus. Friends, you must have an encounter with Christ, but it may be different, it looks different than the person next to you. We are to be made like Jesus, not like each other. Now, here's what happens. When the enemy's involved, the Simon Peters of our group start looking at the Nicodemuses and going, you stuffy, or slow people. Get some life in you. And our Nicodemuses say, now simmer down, you wild hammers. If you would just use the brain that God has given to you and quit drawing attention to yourself and just come to him at the time of night, he'll explain things to you. All the while, Mary's all the way over here going, what are you guys talking about? Jesus is right here. It's so good. I'm in the party. And Martha says, don't you want to go and serve and do something? But when we look to Jesus, here's what he does. He says, the, the top of that, look in your outline. I didn't put it in the, in the notes. The top of your outline, that little, the fountain thing. He says, the overflow is me. You're not pouring Simon Peter into people. You're not pouring Nicodemus into people. You're not pouring Martha into people. You're not pouring Mary into people. Oh, you could try. You could try to give him more Keith or more Brady or more John. You could try to give him more Ken, but, but, but they don't need that. They need Jesus, and they need to see how Jesus has changed you. That's what the outflow is about. Amen. Now, with the balance of our time and rapid fire is, is, is succinctly as I can, I want us to see that while we've looked at how we're all different and unique, we, can, we will have creative connections with Jesus that these principles are universal for all of us. So, so maybe the Lord is going to get us off of looking at differences. And here's what, what happens. When you see these things we're going to talk about in just a second happening, and Jesus is speaking to you, Simon Peter, here's people talking about Nicodemus. <laughs> and, and this personality says, oh, that's my brother. Be careful. Jesus made him slow and steady. I'm so thankful. I need him to balance me out because I am loud and messy. And the Marthas and the Marys in conversation, Mary hears people talking bad about Martha and Martha says, now hold on, 
It's true. We need to be filled up with Jesus so we have some action to give. But be careful. Martha's quick to action. Jesus is teaching me about being quick to action. And pretty soon, the personalities, it's not about each other. It's all pointing back to Jesus. And that's where transformation happens. So regardless of what personality you are, Jesus is going to be getting you out of this place, out of this building, involved in the life of someone who's not here today. I promise you that. That's not from me. That's not from anybody here. The Lord has said, if you follow me, you're a carrier of the Great Commission, I'm going to send you to impact somebody. If you don't believe that, read your word. That's what he said. Your purpose is to glorify me, and I'm going to send you to impact somebody. Well, Brady, that's what we pay you for. Wrong. I love you. No. God, help me. My call is to equip you to go do what he's called you to do. I tried to tell you, if you didn't want to hear from God, you should have, should have left. Okay? Now, the taco. Stuff that tastes amazing. Three quick principles I want us to see. The first one I refer to as the dimmer switch principle. Rooted in Proverbs 4.18. It says this. The path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn. Shining ever brighter till the full light of day. Verse 19. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. The path of the righteous, the path of those who are living right, the path of the obedient is like first gleam of dawn. And then it shines brighter and brighter as the day goes on. Have you ever been outside early in the morning before the sun would rise and you just see the glimmer of the sunrise? It's dark. You can see it. You can barely see what's around you, but there's a little bit of light. And if you stay there long enough, the sun gets higher. There's a little bit more light. And you can see more, and you can see more. It, it, it kind of reminds me of this, this passage reminds me of what I like to refer to as the dimmer switch principle. It's, it's simply this, that as we're around Jesus, he will turn on a little bit of light for us. And, and as we get just a little bit of light, you can't see a whole lot, but a little bit. The path of the righteous, the path of the obedient, the path of the ones who do what the Father tells them to do, Jesus says, John 4, 34, my food is to do the will of the Father. The path of those who are following Jesus like that, it says, it's like the glimmer of the dawn. And it gets brighter and brighter and he reveals more and more. I know you want me to stop. Don't you? It hurts, doesn't it? Yeah, it's more and more. I know, it hurts. It's kind of like, I like this illustration. It's like, Lord, I don't know if I can handle anymore. This is good. But, but the more obedient that we become, he shows us more. Now, here's what's so freeing about this. I just love this. It doesn't matter if you're not as smart as the person next to you. It doesn't matter if you don't know as much as the person next to you. It doesn't matter if you're not as far along in your faith as the person next to you. What matters is what light has Jesus shown to you. Because he, he, will, he will take you from a little glimmer, and as you walk with him, as you're obedient, you walk in the light, the righteous, he'll show you more, he'll show you more, he'll show you more, he'll show you more. But the, the reverse is true as well. Some of us, we've seen Jesus, but, but we're not so sure we want to be obedient and so, as we back away, we feel like the Lord gets silent. He's not as clear as he is to someone else. Hey, friend, it's not, it's not rocket science. Just be obedient with the light that he's shown you. Now, we see that verse 19, for the, the wicked is darkness. They don't even know what they stumble over. I don't want you to be Brady. God help us, Jesus doesn't want you to be Brady. 
He didn't want you to be like your spouse. He didn't want you to be like your family. He didn't want you to be like anybody else. He wants you to be unique to you, but have an encounter with Jesus. And as you walk in the light, this is true for all of us, he will show more as you back away. And you, if you delay, delay is just a different word for disobey. It just takes a little bit longer. As you begin to move away, it just gets darker and darker and darker. And you won't even recognize what you're stumbling over. It won't even make sense. But he says, I want that relationship with you. The second principle is, is this. It's what I call the Lego land connecting principle. And it's, it's rooted in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. Here's what it says. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Verse 25. Let us not give up on meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, Often this verse has been used to kind of beat people over the head and say, you've got to come to church. You need to come to church. And it's almost as if this idea is given that you've got to punch your spiritual time card. And if you don't get enough punches, then, then, then God's mad at you. And so come to church. Don't give up. Don't do that like everybody else, but come to church. And, and, and there's some value there, but I don't know if that's truly what's happening. I think it's more of like this. The Lord says, I've called you. I'm giving you light. I'm calling you to be obedient. I want you to gather with the believers Because I never, ever created you to do this by yourself. I want you to connect with your brother and sister. Something happens there. It's not about paying your dues. It's about seeing that you were created for something bigger than this. It's this Legoland connecting principle. Some of us, I don't know if you ever played with these as you're you're a child or your kids play with the Legos. Just imagine that your parents only got you one green block. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Jack. Merry Christmas. One green block. I like Legos, but I mean, what do you, what are you gonna do with one block? Well, I could drive it. I could fly it. I could imagine that it's a bush, a square bush. But I mean, what are you gonna do with that? They don't sell these on purpose in one. I mean, if you had to replace one or something, it, they're meant to come in a kit. They're designed to fit together. They're designed to build something. And when we begin to see that, that when we're called to not give up on meeting together, it's we need Simon Peter with the Nicodemus, with the Martha, with the Mary, and we're called to, to build something together. And then it's, it's amazing what happens. Now, sometimes we begin to get this principle and we go, okay, I get it. I get it. We need to come together. We all fit together. And so it builds something beautiful. Um, I'm pretty confident that this is what the beautiful thing is it needs to be. So when we come to church, Pastor Brady, it's going to look like this, this is awesome. And uh, in fact, I'm going to email Pastor Brady and say, Pastor Brady, this is exactly how we should meet and gather. This is what we should do. This is what it should look like. We should build this. And it's kind of cool. But he didn't say, now I want you to come together and I want you all to decide the way my family should operate. I want you to come together and let me be the master builder. And if we look at this next slide, if I can only build these silly trinkets... The master builder can take something and make a beautiful entire city that's complex. And some of us, when we, we were so focused on our own color, our own size, our own shape, uh, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm out there. It's just a weird shape. We need weird shapes to make some of these steeples, these towers. Well, I'm boring and just... Kind of a long block. We need some foundation. And the master builder will pull things together. Don't give up on meeting together. There's power when we come together. Something happens when we begin to see that Jesus has created us for a purpose. And a final thought is this. It's, I guess what I'm phrasing today is God's easier way. Look with me at Philippians 2, 12 is our last thought. 
12 and 13. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I kind of I lock arms with that. Paul tells us, brothers, sisters, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Grit, tenacity, take it serious. Pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Start walking in obedience in the light. You'll get more light. Start recognizing you need to be connected with someone else. And it's not just about you. It's about what God wants to build with you and other people. Do that and, and, and work hard at it. But look at the next part. Oh, this is the best part of the taco. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. It is God who is in you to will and to act out of you according to his purpose for his good. So when you obey, it's not even in your own strength. When you begin to connect with others, it's not because you're so outgoing. When you begin to to reach out and you see an outflow happen, it's not because you're so strategic or you're so committed. It's because the one who is in you, who's calling you to obedience, has done his work. Now, a take-home assignment for us, and then we'll just go and be obedient. Some of us, we need to take the challenge this week and say, Jesus... In my own skin, the way you've made me, I don't need to be Simon Peter or Martha or Mary or Nicodemus. Is there an area that you're calling me to obedience in? What, what little glimmer of light has he shown? He wants to have the full sun of his truth spread out over you. But somebody this week needs to be intentional. It may be new obedience. It may be continued obedience. It's going to be awesome. I challenge you. Press into that. It's not just for you. It's going to enable others to see what Jesus is doing. Somebody else, we need to also take the challenge to take home, is is to recognize that you need to connect with someone else. Now, I don't mean just show up. Some of you are here, but you're not here. You know what I mean? You don't. Okay, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what I mean. You don't know. You can show up in this room and sit here and be here with your body, but not be here with your spirit. You can be here technically to be checked off on a roster, but not be here with your passion. And here's, here's what Jesus is calling us to do, to get real with one another and risk some transparency with one another. Maybe for you, an act of obedience could be is, I'm going to find someone else in my church family this week, and I'm going to take a layer of the onion off and get real. I, I'm just going to connect with them and realize that it's something, something far more than what I can understand. Pastor Brady, that sounds like Simon Peter. I'm Nicodemus. This is, well, don't do it like Simon Peter. Do it the way God's called you to do it. I'm not telling you to be some other personality. But get real and realize that when we're connected together, he wants to build something powerful. You may not share your deepest, darkest secret this week and all the great fears of the night for you this week. But, but could you get real with someone? Could you intentionally connect with someone in your group, class, or team? And finally, there's someone here today, a take-home assignment. You've been working so hard at this. And Jesus says, that's nice. But how about you try letting me be your strength? Jesus wants to tell you, it is me. It's the power of the Father that is in you through his spirit that enables you to live righteous. You need to walk in trust. You need to walk in freedom today. Church, would you stand with me?
Jesus, personally, I just thank you right now for Simon Peter. You just encourage my heart. I can say dumb things. I can do dumb things. I can be loud. I can be back and forth. I thank you, Jesus, that you didn't call me to be like Simon Peter or Nicodemus or Mary or Martha. But you're chiseling away and you want to make me like you. Lord, I lift up my brother and sister today. Whether they connected with your call at the top of the teaching this morning to first be rooted in you. Lord, would you encourage them that you are the source, you are the power, you are the one who flows into them. Remind them they just need to wait on you. Lord, there's someone else here today as you're preparing us to go out. There's fear in their heart. There's disappointment in their heart. There's discouragement in their heart. Maybe, Lord, even frustration in their heart that they think, oh, I've seen this before. Someone wants me to be like something that I'm not. Lord, would you remind them that you want to encounter them just the way you made them. You love how you made them. Jesus, I pray that for each of us today, that just like the glimmer of dawn, we will begin to walk in more and more light and allow you to show us more and more of your truth and not get preoccupied about the things we don't know or don't understand and not get haughty and proud about how much light we've had in the past. Lord, we want to continue to move in obedience. And Lord, would you do a miracle in our midst? Totally backwards of the way the world works. Would you allow the Simon Peters in this room and the Marys in this room and the Marthas in this room and the Nicodemuses in this room to begin to brag on the Jesus they see in each other? It's no more about I want you to be like me or I'm I'm so envious of you or you are so strange I can't figure it out. But we can begin to look for what you're doing in us and say that piece of Jesus is exactly what he's doing in me. Lord, would you set free that kind of connection? But Jesus, I know we can't have that unless we get real. Unless we get honest about our feet that stink. About our mind that wanders. About our hands that get dirty. And our flaws and our humanness. Would you call us to risk that with one another? And I thank you, Jesus. That with all this, you say, friends, my sons, my daughters, it is me in you that gives you the power to do this. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we've started to taste and see that you are so good. Would you allow us to run in your truth today? Amen and amen. Friends, I want to thank you for your strong attention to God's word today. If you're here and, and you'd like more discussion about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, what it means to be right with God, to walk with him. My wife, Carrie, and I would love to talk with you. We're going to be up here. We seriously would love to talk with you today. Don't push that off to another time. If you're here today and, and you don't know who's discipling you or you don't know who you are discipling and you'd like to talk about a discipleship relationship, Carrie and I would love to talk with you. Don't push it off to another day. Today is the best day to talk about it. For the rest of my friends, God bless you. Go be loud and messy and still and strong and capable and easygoing and relational, however God made you, but go and serve Jesus. God bless you. You're dismissed.